For some of you that were raised in more Pentecostal traditions, the thought is often, as long as we're in God's presence, we're safe. True? No, God's presence needs to be in you. You need to be in God's presence, but God's presence needs to be in you. The problem with Satan and demons who declared war on God's family in the unseen realm is not that they were not in the presence of God, but the presence of God was not in them. Well, howdy, welcome to the Real Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark. Hi, this is Grace. And uh, we're really honored to have you. Welcome to the uh, Win Your Marriage War series. And during this season and this series, we're working from a book that we co-authored uh, called Win Your War, and we're looking at spiritual warfare as it pertains to marriage. And these talks were recorded at one of our favorite churches, uh, James River Assembly, an Assemblies of God Church in Missouri. And we had the honor of doing a marriage conference and retreat there. And so we have for you uh, three talks as well as some Q&A sessions. Welcome to episode number one. Here's the big idea win your marriage war. That's the theme for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. And before we get started, baby, how about you just read a quick review to encourage them to do the same? Yeah, this is from Leslie. She was at the conference in person, actually, and wants us to know how helpful it was to her. She says, quote, our family has been strengthened because we have a godly formation and allegiance together against our enemy. Your sermon turned on a light bulb, and now we have strength and freedom to fight. Awesome. Thanks, Leslie. And hey, if you enjoy the podcast, why don't you do us a favor? Leave a five-star review, not a three-star review, not a two-star review, a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'd love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you as well. So let us know. Let me pray, because I not for you, for me. If I don't pray, I'm going to say something, and Pastor John will let me come back tomorrow. So I've been coming here for 13 years. Love your church very much. Very honored to be simulcasting to the campuses and also online and also back to the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let me tell you this. I love you so much. I came here from Scottsdale, Arizona. It was 75 degrees. I was in flip-flops. I had the top off my Jeep so Jesus could see me in all my joy. And we landed. It's a high this weekend of seven degrees in Missouri. Somebody asked, is like, is it cold? Yes, it's cold. It's colder than a double Valentine date with the Trumps and the Bidens. It's that cold in Missouri. It's freezing. It's freezing. All right. Now, before we get to, it's freezing. Before we get to work, let me show you uh, where Grace and I started. I think you guys have got a photo of my wife and I at our wedding. We're doing a great Valentine's time together. Do you guys have a, a photo of Grace and I at our wedding? I hope you do. All right, they're now hiring at James River Church <laughs> in the production department. Somebody tragically just lost their job. Very sad. Pray for them, pray for them. Nonetheless, Grace and I, we met at uh, age 17. I got saved at 19. We got married at 21. We went on our honeymoon. We're, we're newlyweds. And I'll never forget when we checked into uh, the place that we were staying, the, uh, the person that oversaw this, this beautiful place that we stayed, it was a sweet lady who knew Jesus and we didn't know her. She pulled us together and she said something very interesting. She said, um, she said you have an enemy, but you're not one another's enemy. I thought, well, that's a weird thing to say. Now that I've been married, 
I know exactly what she was talking about, amen? If you're single and you're like, that sounds weird, ask a married person, we know exactly what she was talking about. You have an enemy in your marriage and the problem can be that you think that your enemy is your spouse. You don't realize that you and your spouse actually do have an enemy. It was many years later, we had uh, five kids. I know, Grace can't keep her hands off me, pray. I just feel like, hey, I have a face in the brain too and I'd like to talk sometimes. But so pray for us, we're working on it. So many years later, we got five kids and uh, we were in the bathroom uh, late at night where the kids can't hear. We were having a fight. Have you ever had a fight? No, liar. So uh, liar, that's a guy trying to have a good Valentine's day by lying in the Lord's house. Good luck with that, buddy. So um, Lord's not gonna bless that kind of dishonesty. If you've been married, you've had a fight. And if you've not had a fight, you're lying, okay? So we were having a fight and Grace looked at me and she felt inclined in the spirit to say something. She said, uh, I am not your enemy. And here's what I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And she started crying, uh, cause that's my second spiritual gift is making women cry. Um, she started crying and she said, I'm not your enemy. And it dawned on me in that moment that what that woman told us on our honeymoon, I had forgotten that we do have an enemy, but your spouse is not your enemy. And what tends to happen when we go into marriage, you tend to think, well, it's two people, the husband and the wife. And if you're a Christian, you think it's three people, the husband, the wife, and the Lord. If you really know your Bible, it's four people. It's the husband, the wife, the Lord, and the enemy of the husband and the wife and the Lord. That really there are four people in your marriage. And, and ultimately, I wanna talk a lot about that fourth person. We're gonna talk about spiritual warfare because what we tend to think of is marriage and spiritual warfare is totally separate categories, All right? If you go to the Christian bookstore or if you look online, these are two categories, marriage and war. How many of you, marriage is war? You're like, those should be the same category because Satan shows up in the marriage. And I wanna put spiritual warfare over marriage and I want you to see this from a deep and profound biblical perspective. And so here's the big idea for this session, what God builds, Satan breaks. God is always trying to build things, Satan is always trying to break them. And I'll start with God builds family in the scene realm. So we're gonna deal with God and everything that he's trying to build and Satan and everything that he's trying to break. And ultimately, God builds family in the scene realm. So there are two realms. There is the realm that we see and the realm that only God sees. There is the unseen realm, which is the realm behind the realm. This is the place of spiritual warfare, angelic, demonic, and other divine beings. And what God is doing right now in both realms is the same thing. He is a father seeking to build a family. So I'll start with Romans 8, 14 through 16. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Family language. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What he's saying is this, that human beings in the seen realm, that what God is trying to do amongst us is build a family. God has this language in the Old Testament where he says that he is going to build a people for his own possession. And he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's God speaking like a father, creating and architecting a family. In the New Testament, a lot of the language of our relationship with God is family. God's a father, Jesus is the son of God. We are positionally 
the sons of God, we are the children of God. So the Bible says to treat older men like fathers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters and brothers. It has this family language. In addition, the Bible says that to become a Christian is to get adopted into a family. And that's the language that the Apostle Paul is here using in the book of Romans. And so ultimately what God is trying to do is build a family. This is God's primary motif for relationship and life and what he is seeking to accomplish. Not only is God doing that in the scene room, causing us to become Christians, bringing us together into relationship as God's family, the church, God is also seeking to have that same kind of family relationship with all of the members of the unseen realm and the divine family. And so I'll give you this section in Job 38, four through seven. And this is a peek into the unseen realm. In addition to the world we see is a world we don't see. Grace and I get into this, my wife and I do, in our book, Win Your War. And just as our world is real, that world is real. Just as our world is filled with human beings, that world is filled with divine beings. And what God sees is one reality in two realms. And sometimes the Bible will peer into the unseen realm. John, Daniel, David, um, Isaiah. There are places in the Bible where the curtain is pulled back and someone in the physical realm gets to peer into the spirit realm. Here is one of those occasions with Job. Job had a bunch of questions for God and God didn't necessarily answer those questions. And instead he shows up and he has a question for Job in Job 38, four through seven. And so God starts with this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? See, it's good, it's perfectly fine to question God, but not to accuse God. A, que a question is, God, I don't understand. An accusation is, God, I do understand. And I think, I, I think you've made a mistake or you have a problem. God will receive questions, but not accusations. Job's questions up to this point were actually in the form of an accusation. And so what God does is he reminds him who is ultimately in the judgment seat and it is not Job. Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements, surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it. Goes on to say, on what were its bases sunk or laid its cornerstone? Now here's the two categories of divine beings. When the divine stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. But he's saying is, Job, before I made you, I made some divine beings in the unseen realm and they were there when I made the world that you inhabit and occupy. This must mean that they cannot be human beings because they were present at the creation of the world before the creation of Adam and Eve, our first parents. And what God is talking about here is life in the unseen realm, in the unseen realm. And let me just submit this to you. Many of the problems we have in our world are ultimately caused by the world that we do not see that ultimately a lot of the problems that we're having economically, politically, socially, morally, physically, are ultimately problems in the seen realm, but they begin in the unseen realm. A lot of the problems that human beings are dealing with are ultimately being caused by demonic beings at work in our world. Some of you ask how this will relate to marriage. We'll get there momentarily, but let me set a big overarching biblical understanding of reality for you. And when it talks about here God's divine family, you'll notice it uses the language of the sons of God. The same language that the Apostle Paul used for those of us who are in the seen realm. How many of you have heard about angels? We've all heard about angels, right? That is not the only category of divine being in the unseen realm. 
It also speaks of the watchers, the holy ones, the hosts, the seat of the gods, the court and judgment, the host of heaven, the prince of the host, the cherubim, the seraphim, the archangels, the commander, prince, chief, lord, divine counsel, the stars, the morning stars, and the sons of God. In addition to angels, there are all of these other divine beings, some of them quite mysterious in the unseen realm. Here we hear of two categories in Job. One is the stars, and in their language there was um, stars that would sort of be physically between us and God, and so they used the language of stars to refer to angels and other divine beings as somehow between us and God. So that's the language of the stars. And when it comes to angels and other divine beings, over 300 times angels are mentioned in the Bible. They're spoken of some 90% of the books of the Bible. We hear of innumerable angels, thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. There are three named angels in the Bible, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. There are also categories of angels in hierarchy like archangels, commanders, cherubim, seraphim, guardian angel. And let me say this, Revelation two and three, it is a series of letters written to the church. And in addition to human physical leadership, there is divine spiritual leadership. Here's what I'm telling you. Here at James River, there is, in addition to your senior pastor, there is a heavenly host who is assigned to oversee this church family and to protect it and to serve it in the unseen realm. Just as you have senior leadership in the seen realm, you have senior leadership in the unseen realm. I believe the same is true of all of your campuses. In addition to the local leadership, there is divine leadership that is also deployed by God. So we see in Revelation two and three, there's a lot more going on in this world than you and I see. And let me say that spiritual warfare and spiritual reality is like gravity. It exists whether you believe in it or not. And it affects everyone, every moment of every day and every decision we make. Now it doesn't matter whether or not I believe in gravity. If I drop the water bottle, what happens? It falls to the ground. Satan, demons, angels, and other divine beings in the unseen realm, they are real, they really do exist, they really do impact and affect our lives and realities, whether we believe in them or not. And what I would submit to you is, we are living in a time of unprecedented economic, social, moral, political war. Let me tell you that there is a war behind the wars. And that the problems that we have will not be solved with just elections, politicians, they will not necessarily be solved with masks or mandates, that ultimately we're going to need the presence of God to heal the problems that we truly have. Okay? In addition here in Job 38, in addition to the stars, it speaks of the sons of God or the gods. These are divine beings, just as we are human beings. They do not necessarily have a gender, though they can appear incognito and undercover for divine assignment. That's why Hebrews 13.2 says that some have entertained angels unknowingly. So here's what I'm telling you, that there is the unseen realm and the seen realm, and for God, these two realms form one reality. Uh, I'll give you an example of how we were supposed to live together. We'll get into it in a moment. Do you remember the story of Genesis 3, Adam and Eve? So a serpent comes up, we'll deal with this at the very end, has a conversation with Eve. How many of you women find that odd? Like how many of you, like if a large snake came to your house and started talking to you, you would be less cavalier than Eve is in that conversation. She seems very matter of fact, she's like, oh, the snake's here, we're chatting. I, I don't know about you, that seems odd. Like if I came home and Grace was talking to a large serpent, I'd be talking to Grace. That seems odd to me. Eve is not 
terrified, startled, and there's nothing unusual about her conversation because what that was, that was a conversation with a divine being. Before sin entered the world and God kicked us out of the garden, we had constant interaction between the seen and the unseen realm, and it was not unusual to see divine beings. Ultimately, these two realities work together. They do work together. Now, if God is trying to build family in the seen realm and the unseen realm, and God's intent is for the seen realm and the unseen realm to be one reality that work together, and that ultimately God's divine family and God's human family would be working together, then the question is, well, what has gone so wrong in our world? Well, that's, that's where the storyline of the Bible, quite frankly, is the only thing that makes sense of reality in the world. See, well, here's what we're told in, in the world. We're good and getting better. How many of you, you're not seeing that? We're evolving. Let me tell you this, we're not evolving. If anything, we're devolving. We have the evolutionary chart backwards. We're, we, we didn't start as monkeys, but we're on our way. Right? <laughs> that we're not, the world is not getting better. All of our advancements in technology and war, it's just ultimately to create more pornography and murder more babies. We're not making progress. We're just not making progress. And so what everybody thinks is we're good and getting better, and the Bible says, no, we're bad and getting worse. And ultimately, the problem is spiritual and it's supernatural. So everything that God seeks to build, Satan seeks to break. So Satan breaks family in the unseen realm, okay? Revelation 12 tells us. So God, before, before sin entered the world, all God had before he made us was his divine family. And God built a divine family. And then one member of that family, a created being, a high-ranking divine being, we know him as Satan or Lucifer, he decided he would declare war on God. And you know what he did? He attacked God's divine family. I'll read it to you. Revelation 12, seven through nine. Now war arose in heaven. Michael, one of the named angels and his angels, God doesn't fight these battles because Satan is not a peer with God. Satan is created, God is Kratos. Satan has power, but God is all powerful. And so you don't need even to, you can exercise the God-given authority that he has given you. And here Michael uses his delegated divine authority and he is able to defeat Satan of his own accord. God doesn't even need to get involved, okay? Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels, divine beings that are now fallen and rebellious, fought back and he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. So God built a family in the unseen realm. Satan decided that he was gonna break the family that God was building. Ultimately, God's family fought back, but there was a division. So let me say this, I wanna be very careful with this. There was a divorce in heaven. There was a divorce in heaven. Satan decided that he was going to divorce himself from God, and then all of the angels had to decide which parent they were going with. And some of the demons sided with Satan, and they joined the rebellion, and some of the angels sided with God, and as a result, what happened in God's family, for God's divine family, it felt a lot like a divorce. Some of you grew up in a household of divorce. You're like, we were together, and then we were separated, and people took sides, and it felt like war. That happened in God's family in the unseen realm. 
The story goes on. The dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So they're thrown from the unseen realm to the seen realm. They're thrown from heaven to earth. And all of a sudden, the family that declared war on God's unseen family is now going to declare war on God's seen family. A couple of things I wanna make note out of Revelation 12. Number one, the war is always over singular headship and plural leadership. God's family motif, the way God governs in heaven, the way that he has architected the family is singular headship, plural leadership. So in your family, for it to be under God's governance, the husband, the father needs to be the head and the mother and the father, the husband and the wife, they need to be plural leaders. That's why the Bible says, honor your mother and your father, okay? Satan wanted to overthrow the singular headship of God in heaven. Number two, a family in God's presence is not immune from spiritual warfare. God's divine family, Satan declared war, where? In God's presence. Some of you think, if I could just keep my family in God's presence, we won't have any war. Just because your family is in God's presence does not mean that there won't be war. God's divine family was in God's presence and that's where war erupted in the presence of God. Some of you, your kids are wayward. Satan has really snatched them. They're in a prodigal or rebellious phase. And you're asking yourself, what happened? We raised them in the house of God. We raised them in the word of God. We raised them in the spirit of God. We raised them in the presence of God. It may not even indicate a failure in parenting in the same way that God the Father was not a failed parent when war erupted in heaven. I wanna get that demonic condemnation off of some of you. It's not that you have failed, but you have been attacked. God did not fail, but he was attacked. God was not a poor parent. He was just seeing his family be attacked. You may not be a bad parent, but your family literally might be under spiritual attack. Okay? There is now no condemnation in Christ. And the accuser of the children of God who accuses them day and night, Revelation 12, 10, he's been telling some of you that his attack on your family or your kids is because of your failure, and it may not be that case at all. None of us is a perfect parent as the father is. But it may just be not only is he attacking them, then he is haunting, accusing, and attacking you by lying to you about why they were attacked. In addition, number three, it's not enough to be in God's presence. You're my Pentecostal charismatic friends, okay? I can tell during worship, because this is a Baptist, okay? This is a Pentecostal, this is a charismatic, right? And this is someone who is Catholic. Okay, that's how you know the difference. For some of you that were raised in more Pentecostal traditions, the thought is often, as long as we're in God's presence, we're safe. True? No, God's presence needs to be in you. You need to be in God's presence, but God's presence needs to be in you. The problem with Satan and demons who declared war on God's family in the unseen realm is not that they were not in the presence of God, but the presence of God was not in them. A couple other observations. This war is the problem behind all of our problems. If we didn't have this war, we wouldn't have any of the other wars. That means understanding this war is the key to understanding all of our battles. Because every war is part of the great war. Now, some of you are totally lost. You're welcome. Okay? 
So we're like, why are we talking about spiritual warfare? I thought this was a marriage conference. I heard this guy had a potty mouth. I looked at him on the internet and I thought he was gonna let us do some naughty things. And so, look, I got icy hot, I stretched out, I'm ready, I, I'm ready to go. It's hot outside, inside rather, even though it's cold outside, you know, I'm, I'm planning on having a good night tonight. Let me say this. Understanding Satan, demons, and spiritual warfare is the only thing that makes sense of why marriage is so hard. Are you ready? I said that God made a family in the unseen realm and, and Satan attacked it. God made a family in the seen realm. Question, did Satan attack it? Yes. We're gonna look at Genesis. And let me say this, Satan didn't even show up until after they were married. Could Satan have showed up while Adam was single? Sure, he didn't even show up until they were married. Spiritual warfare doesn't begin truly until you're married. If you're single, I hate to break it to you. Okay, some of you are single, you're like, I was reading the Bible, yep. They were naked and got married. Let me just tell you, those days are over. Okay, those days are gone. You gotta keep reading the story. Satan showed up, they put clothes on and they fought. That's marriage. <laughs> That's marriage. Amen? I mean, you all have clothes on and I know you fought on the way here. I know you did. I'll be honest with you, every time Grace and I do a marriage event, we fight. So pray for me, imagine what I put up with. I mean, it's terrible, it's horrible. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.